Welcome to the Discover Your Worth in Chicago podcast brought to you by ICI Staffing. I'm Mark Meyer, joined by Eleni Stephanopoulos and Brian Jones. We started this podcast to help job seekers find a position that can change their life and the tips to help you land that fruitful position. We will share the best insights we've gained over the last 37 years placing people in high-value jobs. Insights you won't find until you are well into your career and have taken the necessary steps in order to learn them. We will regularly have on expert recruiters, high-paying employers, and previously placed candidates who can talk about their experiences in finding the ideal position. Our goal is simple. We want to help you find that position. No filler, no BS, just pure uncensored job-seeking tips. If you find our tips valuable, please visit ICIstaffing.com for more high-value information or even maybe a job posting that you would like to apply for completely free of charge. Now that's the stuff dream jobs are made of. I'm going to turn the mic over to Eleni and Brian as they're going to share some of the secrets and some of the things that you need to do to prepare for your job interview and some of the helpful questions you might be able to ask so that you can make sure this is an ideal position for you. So without further ado, here's Eleni. My name is Eleni Stephanopoulos. I'm the Senior Recruiting Manager at ICI, and I've been here for about four and a half years now, and I bring all my expert knowledge that I've learned within the last four and a half years. This is Brian Jones with ICI Staffing. I am a senior candidate recruiter here at ICI Staffing. I've been with ICI Staffing for over four years now, and I'm here today to provide you with fantastic staffing tips and hot resourcing ideas. Let me hand it over to my teammate, Eleni Stephanopoulos. Thanks, Brian. That was wonderful. Brian, how's your week been going? It's been challenging. There's a lot of uh, recruiting needs out there that I'm working to meet right now. And before we came into the show today, it really fostered some uh, very powerful and pertinent thoughts with regard to the staffing industry. And many of them I would like to discuss today. I wanted to go over questions that people will ask in interviews and how to answer them correctly. Have you ever had any candidates, unfortunately, not get the job on the way they answered a question? Oh, I would certainly have to imagine that that's been the case, that that would have happened several times. What's the biggest one that they screw up on? I would think the, the one question that I feel candidates screw up the most, you know, the, the proverbial, uh, the proverbial where, where do you see yourself in five years question. Uh, something that I think is really important when you're sitting down with an employer is to present yourself as someone that's motivated, that's goal-oriented, that wants to achieve and grow in their position. But at the same time, when you're presenting yourself for the first time to a client, you want to let them know that the role that you're interviewing for is a role that you could be passionate about, that intrigues you. Uh, you're looking for, you know, that you would find fulfillment in the role that you're currently interviewing for. I think a lot of times candidates will go too far trying to show ambition and it leaves the client with the impression, well, perhaps this person would never really actually be set, really actually be satisfied in the job that they're interviewing 
for today. I think I disagree with you. I think the one question that's the most important that a lot of people get wrong, I think, is the salary. I do think that that's one. I think the question you asked is obviously an important one, but I do think that the salary one, I th- well, I think that now employers are starting to realize that millennials have, it's okay for millennials to be a little bit more job hoppers than before. They wanted someone who was going to be, you know, in their career or in their company for 30, 40 years. Like how many people do you know that has had that position? Our parents' generation? Absolutely. They all stayed at the same company for 20 or 30 years. Now you know anyone basically that has stayed at a company for three or four years beside us. Congratulations, Brian, making four years. Aww. But anyway, the salary question I think is I think is actually an important one because really you might have dreams and ambitions, but you want to get the job right now. And a lot of candidates either shoot too low or they shoot too high or they get nervous or they ask what the salary is. I feel like that's probably one of the biggest things that people need to be prepared with before they go on an interview, don't you think? Yes. No, I do. Yes, I do think that I do think that that is very important. Um, although, you know, it was funny. I, I do still struggle with the job hop aspect of looking at particular candidates. And I still have a hard time kind of working around the idea of someone with a number of positions on their resume. And, you know, it's a struggle to me how I can present that person. Because I do still think that's a struggle for a lot of employers. Well, that's what we do out the candidate, figure out exactly if they're going to be good for the position because we talk to them, we figure out their personality, their traits, their positives and negatives. And I think one thing that shows if you do, let's just say you've had three jobs in six or seven years, I think that does show that you A, know your worth, B, you're a risk taker, but it also shows that you're, you know, that you, you, would try something new. I also think that, you know, if you've been in three different roles in seven or eight years, it could show that you're well-versed, but it also shows maybe that you can't commit to, which is kind of, I think you're talking about someone who thinks they're above job or they grow out of a job too quickly. I think it's interesting because if you want to look at a millennial and you want to look at someone who is a little bit more senior and mature in their career, it's more common for millennials to be a job hopper or to experience positions with someone who's, you know, more mature in their career. Now, if they are someone that has had a job, you know, a new job every single year and they're at their tail end of their career, then that right there kind of shows something. They're like, oh, yeah, I didn't like my boss or, oh, I quit or, you know, they let me go. And you're looking at someone who's had five jobs in five years. And you're kind of like, wait, you're at the tail end of your career. Like, what are you kind of, you're, you're looking to develop what in your career at this point? I, I understand the point that you're trying to make. And I mean, there's some value in the way that you're framing it. But I, do also, I, I do always worry, um, even with a younger candidate, that people will look at that person and they may even see their kind of frenetic son or daughter in that candidate and think they can't set with regard to more. Uh, senior candidates, and I do think there is a value in framing that way. I just, I do always uh, still get nervous, though, when I see a number of jobs on a resume. Though I do recognize that 
trying to sell a younger candidate to a client uh, and frame that in a certain positive light. It's uh, it's uh, something that's very possible. Comfortable with candidates more around my age than who are younger than me, I don't think. Do you ever feel like you can relate to them more? You can understand them? Or do you feel like I'm a couple of the candidates that you really do get along with are individuals that are within your generation? I don't know. I mean, no, I, mean, I think since I've gotten involved in recruiting, it's just, you know, people are people and they really, to me, kind of run the gamut. It's more socially acceptable, not for me, but for what I've noticed in the industry that people understand why millennials have either moved around a lot, hopped jobs from a startup, and then all of a sudden we're like, oh, I don't like the startup. Let me go into corporate. Oh, I don't like the large corporation. Oh, I want to go ahead and try maybe a small to mid-sized business. You know, there's reasons because they tend to be very, like, you know, risk takers. When my mother was looking for a job last year, job, she's this, and she was trying to find a job, it was really hard for her. And it's because she just wanted something that had she wanted to be busy. She wanted something normal. Do you think millennials have an easier time getting a job than someone in your generation? Well, given the industries that we service, I would say yes. Okay. We don't do C-level. We don't do hiring management positions typically. Not that we never do them, but we don't often do them. So yes, I would say it's easier given our client base for millennials to find positions right now. Let's just say someone has some type of additional income or some type of security and they look at what they're doing right now and they're like, you know what? I'm 40, 45 years old. I hate my job. I want to switch it and I want to do something else. They are just as qualified as a millennial to get into an entry level or a position where it's like requires two to three years of experience. But would they get it over a millennial? Uh, no, I don't think so. At least not from millennials just set themselves up a little bit better to get position. Um, no, in terms of in terms of switching into a new role, if an employer is looking at someone who's in their forties versus a millennial, I, I honestly think the biggest deciding factor. I, I'm just being very honest. I, I think the biggest deciding factor from where we're at is an employer is going to look, especially if they're working with an outside firm, they are going to look at if I'm paying a fee. I'm going to want to get someone where I feel that I can get some longevity. They're going to be around for a long time. And I think there's an instinct when you look at someone who's 25 versus 45, even though we don't live in the, the world of great American job anymore, where someone goes to a company for 40 years and then gets the gold watch, we could have this entire, we could have this person's future. That's a tremendous advantage for you. When you have an individual that comes in and we prep them on interview questions and we're asking about salary, you know, they're asking us about salary. They're asking us about, you know, if they ask me a question pertaining to what do I want to do in the next five to 10 years, I think it's easier to prep someone that doesn't have too many dreams and ambitions because, you know, some of them are just like, I don't really know what I'm going to do in five to 10 years. Those individuals that are like, yeah, they'll come off in the interview a little bit more just above the job description. So your advice to individuals that are switching career, wouldn't it be like to kind of, would it be to ex be extremely honest or would you tell them to kind of tone down their accomplishments 
or how would you advise someone? So let's just say you want to switch careers right now. Like how would you represent yourself? I don't know. That's, it's really tough when I'm thinking. It's tougher in terms of when you're thinking about yourself, I guess. I mean, okay. I wasn't really prepared to think about myself. But no, let me let me see if I can come up with something. Um, I mean, it depends on the industry. Uh, I mean, if it was something, for example, I had worked in sales and marketing for several years and then working in recruiting. If I was going in, if I wanted to go down a direction that was maybe along the lines of something that would be more of a research position, more solitary. I think I would try to frame myself as, you know, though having well-rounded experience in terms of interacting with people, presenting myself to groups, to different clients, you know, I'm, I'm a little burnt out on that type of interaction. That's what my mom basically, she said, and when she was looking for things, she's like, I'm burnt out. I just want to have a job where I come in, I do my job, I leave. That's what she kept saying to every employer when she could go interview with them, where some people like that idea. And then other people are like, great, I'm not going to, you know, if I want her to put in a little bit of overtime, then she's not going to want to stay, which is not the case at all. But that's what it comes off as. Right. At the same time, you're also speaking to people's individual needs. Uh, I, there's no way I would ever think to say that going into an interview myself because responsible for myself. I'm at an earlier stage than where your mom is per se, or your mom is being very clear with employees and saying, look, I absolutely willing to work, but I want the ideal role. I couldn't afford to say those same things. What else do you look at when you look at a resume? You know, when I'm looking at a resume, some of the things that leap out to me outside of you know, those initial things of job stability, um, skills, things of that nature. Um, to anyone that's trying to put together a resume, one of the things I would speak to is putting together a resume where you're bullet pointing or somehow highlighting your accomplishments. A lot of times people put out a resume and it just lists their duties and responsibilities. I was responsible for handling QuickBooks. I was responsible for answering the phone. I was responsible for travel arrangement. Whereas resumes that really stand out to me when I'm trying to screen someone is when someone is able to articulate a tangible difference they made with their employer, say, whether they were a top salesperson or as an accountant, they saved $250,000 in revenue by finding some kind of mistake, something that a, an employer can look at and go, let's take an accountant, for example. Let's say they know that they want to hire, they want to bring an accountant on board at $100,000 a year. And somewhere in the resume, they notice and they can back up tangibly that they save their company you know, $200,000 a year. $250,000 a year in mistakes that they catch or in uh, cost-cutting maneuvers, what have you. Someone can look at this and make, okay, I'm looking to pay $100,000 for this position, and this person can articulate to me how they're able to save me $200,000. Well, this person's a profit machine right there. I'm, by hiring them, I'm coming out ahead $100,000. So I would say to anybody, one of the biggest things that you can do to help yourself when you're when someone like Myself or Lenny is trying to find that right fit. If you're presenting a resume that really speaks to your accomplishments of how you can make how you make a difference at your current employer or former employer, I think that really helps you stand out from the crowd. Guess what would be a fit 
and location uh, can matter for some people. But uh, it is uh, putting an address in a resume is an instant uh, disqualifier. Can be an instant disqualifier. It's probably best to leave it off, I would guess. I really thought about it before. So my best advice to give, like when I made my mother's resume, me, um, people that I'm very close to, like their resumes, I take it off completely. I take off the address on Chicago, and that's pretty much it. Do you have anything else you look at social media-wise? I do look at Facebook. I do look at candidate social media. It is important because more important than what I would think of what I'm finding on social media, I know employers will often look up a potential candidate and look at their social media and draw conclusions about them. And they can be false, you know. Well, what I would say, though, is, you know, your social media presence is very important, uh, especially while you're looking for a job. I would really be careful about what employers can find about you, find out about you, pictures that may seem innocent, you know, initially could be something that someone could draw a conclusion like, oh, wow, that's the third picture in a row where that person was holding a beer on a beach. They must be a drinker as opposed to thinking you were just having a good long weekend in Key West and you happen to have two Coors Lights. Uh, you have to be careful about that. People can draw false conclusions. Eleni and I have a disagreement about one of my candidates who I was treated unfairly by one of our clients when they found a picture of him on Facebook where he was sitting at a, uh, a poker table and he had two small stacks in front of him. And he said so it was something along the lines of the caption was, this beats working. Something along those lines. On Facebook, he had actually a number of pictures on Facebook. Things where he was running or sitting by a lake or having dinner with his girlfriend. They were very nice, positive pictures that put him in positive light. There was one picture that he had. He was at perhaps some casino in Elgin or what have you. And he had two small stacks of chips in front of him. And there was a caption under there that said, this sure beats working, or I'd rather do this than be working. And he had a client that saw that picture and drew the conclusion that this young man didn't really uh, this young man wasn't employable and was serious about working. So I actually found the real quote. So the real quote is, when you refuse to get a real job and he's sitting playing poker. That's absurd. That the client goes through his entire list of pictures. He's an employed candidate. And you show one picture of him playing Texas Hold'em with two small stats. And he makes some kind of beery comment. And that refused, they refused to even consider it. I, for that reason, I will say that's why you have to be very careful of your social media presence. Take away from this, beyond the fact I'm right and he's wrong, we, it is important that you really do up your social media profile, even more so than you traditionally think. You really probably just want to leave it, I would suggest, to making everything private. And if you just simply have a profile picture up there, so how much character can you show of yourself in an appropriate photo for you to get a position? Well, for you to get a position is not really relevant because then you have to go through the interview process. But in terms of getting an interview, 
I would suggest eliminating alcohol from any picture. Brian, how did you find ICI and why did you start working here? Why did you pick recruiting? Well, it was a path that was suggested to me by one of my friends who was in recruiting. They were on the corporate side. They suggested the agency side. They suggested that it would be more fun. They were wrong, but that's okay. Four years later and I'm still here. Yeah, and I just, it was something that I just wanted to try. I just randomly, I, I just called around and talked to different agencies and just tried to get a lay of the land about uh, how the industry worked. And that's how I was connected with ICI staffing. Have you ever had your own TV show? Yes, I have. It was called Paranormal Cops on A&E Television. It came out in 2010. It lasted six episodes, but then was run for three years after that on the Biography Channel. Or no, bio, I think it was just bio. Brian, how did you get into television production? There was this police officer that I know that had an idea for a paranormal investigation show. It was a guy I used to work with in radio several years ago. He was uh, a voiceover guy on commercials, and he called me randomly uh, out of the blue and uh, asked if I would want to help him put together a television project. Something was telling him to call me, and I would be interested in helping do it, and I was. Sold the show to North-South Productions, which is the production company of Impractical Jokers. The rest is history. Zip it up and zip it out. <laughs> Zippity do dot. Have a great weekend. All right, bye bye. All right, bye bye. I hope this has been informative. I hope you choose to join us again uh, as we carry on our series and just try to help you navigate the waters of the unknown. Uh, finding a career and finding a job, this can be a very stressful thing. And we're here to try to just make that process a little bit easier. Thank you for listening.